welcome back to Basic Brain Heart, the show where we celebrate and interrogate creatives of all stripes. I'm Hannah Camacho. And you know, really, um, I should probably add to that tagline that we really work to demystify the creative process. I think there's this idea that so many people are born with this magical quality that they are just incredible storytellers naturally or they're incredible artists naturally when really a lot of times that's not the case it's often just a case of really really hard work and honing one's craft and that's one thing I'm so appreciative of everyone who's dropped by the show is so real about and there's a lot of failure and um, there's a lot of hit and miss Um, but then there's also those wins when one does stick with uh, with their craft, which is one reason why I'm especially excited about this conversation today with artist Kate McMillan. She is a lovely person. I'm so glad. Uh, I believe it was a couple months ago I kind of stumbled on her work and I really loved what I saw and I just thought she was really brilliant in her portrayal of different um, sort of landscapes as well as architecture and character. And um, so I reached out to her and, and I kind of dug into her story a little more. I was so intrigued to find bits and pieces of her story story and learn a little bit more about her journey, um, at least what I could find online. Um, She really uh, was a self-taught and is a self-taught artist. Um, She studied Norwegian uh, boat building, which that in and of itself is, is incredible and so much fun, and we get to dig into that story today. Um, and she has sort of made it happen. She has willed away into the animation industry, really. She uh, currently works for DreamWorks full-time. Oh my goodness, I feel like I should have given a spoiler alert there. I don't want to give away uh, Kate's full story. You should hear it from her first. So I'm getting it out of the way, and I hope you enjoy this conversation with um, artist Kate McMillan. Oh my goodness, Kate. I'm so excited we were able to find some time to connect on this beautiful Saturday morning. Well, I don't know if it's beautiful where you're at today, but it sure is beautiful up here in Washington State. Oh, yes. Um, Your work is so incredible. And your story just seems like it's so interesting from the bits I've picked up here and there. So I'm so excited to talk to you this morning. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. I'm super excited. Uh, before we sort of hop into your history and your backstory, can you talk a little bit about what you're up to these days? Yeah, sure. So right now I am a visual development artist at DreamWorks, uh, DreamWorks TV, and I'm working on a CG show that's still unannounced, uh, so I can't talk about it too much. Um, (laughs) But then just, yeah, on the side, I try to keep on painting um, and doing, you know, personal projects. And yeah, that's pretty much what I'm up to. That's fantastic. I love it. Well, let's go ahead and get into the good stuff, into your backstory. And you can't start too early <laughs> because I want to hear about uh, you were born and then what? Yeah, I was born. Um, I was born in Houston, um, which is very exciting. People are usually there for, I think, layovers. And that's, that's like, true. that's probably it. Like, <laughs> and maybe some good barbecue. <laughs> oh, yeah. Barbecue too. Or like, you know, med center, maybe. Um, but it's I grew up there uh, my whole life, um, born in 1993. And uh, yeah, my parents, my mom is an art teacher. So I think off the bat, that sort of uh, justifies a little bit of what I went into. Totally. Yeah. And my um, dad is a seismologist. I don't know. Whoa, what does that mean? <laughs> oh, is that is that like the study of earthquakes or? Well, no? yes. If he was in California, it's it's um, in, in Houston, it means you study uh sound waves for oil oh <laughs> yeah yeah oh so, that makes sense yes exactly uh so I, I feel like I don't know 
growing up and like interest wise, their uh, backgrounds definitely some ways shaped me. It was like a little bit of art and then like a little bit of more technical. That's sort of really minded. cool. I love it. Did you have any siblings? Yes, I do have a, an older sister who is uh, super creative and but very musical. Um, yeah, she does a lot of or she does reviews for video game music, which is super cool. So like, I don't really play games, but she always sends me like, oh, you should look at this game. The artwork is really cool. So I feel like she's my in to like knowing about <laughs> there you go. that kind of stuff. Yeah, <laughs> totally. I have to play. I love yeah. it. At what age did you kind of start to, because I think most kids love art at a young age. Like they, they think it's cool. Most kids do dabble in it. But about what age did you start to maybe take it a little more seriously? Like, hey, maybe I could um, kind of do this forever. Um, I would say like, I always liked drawing. Um, and I definitely think you know, after school, I would go, my mom actually taught at the school I was at. Um, it was the same school, like from pre-K to senior year. And she was a teacher the whole time. So like, you know, after school, I would just go to her art room and like have access to, you know, clay and like weird little googly eyes and that kind of stuff. Uh, so I, I didn't like, I wouldn't say I was like pursuing it. I, I didn't sure. want to be an artist, but yeah. I just had access to that there. from an early yeah. age. Yeah, that's that's kind of cool. And it seems like, I mean, just from the outside looking in at your um, college career and beyond, that maybe you weren't certain that that was your path. So I certainly don't want to assume that you knew right off the bat. Can we talk about when you got to um, the, the, you know, time to go to college? What were you thinking then? Like, what were you and first of all, that's a terrifying time for anybody to be deciding what to do with their <laughs> life. How are yeah. we supposed to know at 18 what we want to do with our lives? But I don't know. I I'd love to hear um, about that. <laughs> yeah. So I think my like what I wanted to do sort of first, like in middle school, I wanted to be a doctor. And then I was like, okay, that, you know, I'm, I don't really like any of those things. So maybe more like engineering. And I was like, maybe more architect. And that was sort of where I was before going to college. I was thinking like, I, I kind of didn't admit to myself that I wanted to be an artist because that felt like that's, that's hippie. I can't like <laughs> just be an artist. Um, so architect was kind of my middle ground where it's like no no like you need to study for five years at least and like it's you need to know math and that kind of stuff so it's okay it's okay if I want to be an architect um and that's sort of what I thought I wanted to be uh I guess all throughout high school um when yeah before college but I, I think like in general like I I did just like you know being creative so in middle school and I guess even like lower school like I really enjoyed writing um, and had moments where I was like, oh, maybe I want to be like a writer, which is like laughable. But um, I think kind of in my mind, in the back of my mind, it was always, oh, I'll do creative things like on the side. And then my job will be like what I need to do to make money or just, you know, fair enough, have a reasonable career. Yeah, <laughs> that's very cool. Where did you uh, end up going to college? So I went to Yale and I uh, did end up studying architecture there. Girl, um, that was... first of all, that's incredible. And do you get tired of, do you not like talking about that? I've heard of a lot of folks that, you know, go to prestigious <laughs> universities who actually don't like to talk about it because it feels like that takes away from, I don't know, something or it feels, it feels almost like bragging. Talk about that. Uh, yeah, it's very true. I like try to bring it up <laughs> as little as possible. <laughs> and like, sometimes I think to a point where it's almost awkward, like, I asked you where you went to school and you're like not answering the question. Um, no, I, I respect <laughs> that. I respect that big time. Yeah. I think like it sort of sounds like a, 
oh, like everyone there must be like this kind of specific type of person. But, you know, every place you go, there's people with different interests or people who are smart at some things, not smart at other things. And I, I think um, I feel it's important that I clarify that. <laughs> no, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Of course. So architecture. <clears throat> so what is it about architecture that really draws you in and uh, is interesting to you? Um, I think, I, I mean, I, there's sort of probably like an abstract answer where it's, um, but the most basic level is just, I think like kind of getting to create places is really cool. It's like, <laughs> uh, like uh, growing up, I, I don't know. I feel like lots of people who go into creative fields did this, but where you like draw maps and you draw like other locations to go with your stories. And it's just kind of getting to immerse yourself in something that isn't real, but it, it feels real because you've thought of all the details, you know, it's just really fun. Totally. Um, so, yeah. And, oh, and that's sort I mean, architecture is you're studying real places. So it's, mm. it really isn't as fantastical as I'm describing, but sure, yeah. you know, it's still that, that feeling of, you know, there's nothing and then you design it and then there's something, which is kind of, which is fun, That's incredible. You know? No, I love it so much. And when you're, when you're studying architecture in school, I'm sure that, you know, there are a number of uh, job paths you can choose from there. One of them obviously being an architect. Um, mm -hmm. At the time, were you thinking that was probably your path or were you still kind of feeling it out? Like, this is interesting to me. I enjoy it. I know I can make money with it. Or did you start to wonder if this is really what you wanted? I think the first few years I was, I was working a lot. Um, I was like interested in sustainable architecture. And I think I, yeah, I wasn't really imagining that I would do something that wasn't architecture. Uh, and I was doing this project with a friend that took, um, a couple of years where, uh, like a few people, we were like working on a, uh, net zero energy house. Wow. That's incredible. Um, and that was, it was a lot of fun. It was a really great experience. But I think throughout that process, I, I didn't really imagine like, you know, I'm, I'm so in this, it's hard to believe that I could have the option to not do this career path. Um, so yeah, I really, I did think I was going to do architecture and I did, you know, the summers work, um, at like architecture firms and, you know, I really love the school part, but working in firms, I, I didn't love it as much. I think it gets a lot more, um, oh, you're going to be modeling, this small piece of the building for the next month, you know, or looking through catalogs, choosing tiles. And it, it was a lot less uh, the type of creative that I enjoyed. That's fair. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, and getting pigeonholed into that for so long and not valuing a fresh perspective is interesting. But um, you also studied Norwegian boat building, which I think is incredible. Um, can <laughs> we talk about that? Yeah, it's, it's a little um, random. but uh... And I love it. <laughs> Yeah. So I think like senior year, I sort of, I took a few film classes and was exposed to, I think the first thing I saw that was from concept art was like Maurice Noble backgrounds, um, which is not really the style I'm most interested in, but it was the first exposure to like, oh, there's, this is a field that exists, um, being, you know, animation and concept art. Uh, so I think by senior year, like I, I sort of knew maybe I needed to pivot a little bit, um, and I had a, I did like a fair amount of woodworking and I had this, uh, I guess, teacher who had said one of the best ways to really understand how, how things are made and to like appreciate how things are made is to understand boats because um, it's something so small, but every piece is so essential. And so I was sort of 
Yeah, I thought so. So I was like, okay, maybe since I need to learn to paint and sort of I'm not qualified for any animation jobs right now, I should go apply for this fellowship where I just propose to understand the craft of how boats are built and try to relate this to how buildings are built. No Um, kidding, that's amazing. Yeah, because they are very similar, especially if you go back far enough, it's the same same tools, you know, a lot of the same materials. Um, so yeah, I just applied. It, it, it's a, the fellowship is called uh, Mortimer Hayes Brandeis and you can just propose like anything that's creative. <laughs> so super vague. Um, so I just proposed that I would go to Norway and, uh, I emailed this random guy and asked if I could like <laughs> be there for a year. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, I ended up working out. And so, I mean, I literally, I Skyped the guy before I went just like, Hey, is it still cool that I, you know, I'm in your <laughs> workshop for a year. And he said, yes. Um, wow. And so, yeah, I just showed up. <laughs> and so the fellowship itself was in Norway or the, yes, the fellowship though. It's, it's just, they just basically give you the funds to do. Oh, what I you see propose. what you're saying. There's, but you did your, your um, time in Norway. Yes. Yeah, so okay. you just, you kind of self-directed however you feel is fit. So yeah. you go over there and uh, first of all, that must've been very exciting, but also kind of terrifying. <laughs> it was a little terrifying when I was waiting for one of the apprentices to pick me up from the gas station. I was like, what if none of these people are real? And oh I'm just like, <laughs> like, what's oh. my plan B? <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, but it, I think one thing to say first of all is that Norway is like a, an exceptionally uh, kind and safe country. <laughs> so it, I didn't really, um, I wasn't taking a lot of risk. It was just more the unknown, Absolutely. but it, yeah. it is a safe place. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Like learning how to get around things like that is that to me, that's mm-hmm. what gives me anxiety is how do I get from point A to point B? That's really cool. So when you show up at this workshop, what, what did it look like? What, what did you like learn and how did you learn? Was it a lot of hands-on? Was there also some studying? I'd love to hear. I'm just so curious about it. Yeah. It, so the, the place um, I was living was, it's called Norheimsen. It's like a, an hour east of Bergen, which is one of the main cities on the on the West Coast. Yeah. Um, and it's on this like fjord, which is very beautiful. And, and it, was a, it was specifically a maritime center. Uh, the name is Hardinger Fartovern Center, which is a mouthful. Um, but their mission is like preserving old crafts. So there was a small boat shop where I was working. Um, but then also there was like a, you know, there were re- making rope in the same way they've done it for hundreds of years in like one part of the facility. Um, there's a blacksmith. Um, yeah. And they were redoing some larger boats. Mostly it's all the, the goal is to, to preserve them in the same way it's been done. So you're using the same, you know, you're using an ax, you're using a hand plane that you made yourself. Everything has to be done in the same way. Um, so it was kind of like this yeah huge facility where you have boat builders, blacksmiths, but then also there's a few apprentices who are, who are learning the trade as well. Um, I was not apprentice. I was not that qualified. I was, I was um, mostly observing for the small boat shop and, and uh, doing illustrations of the tools and, and specifically the steps for building the boats um, to, there was a couple articles and then just to have like preserved like a, a dictionary of every single tool and steps for the boats. So that was like, mostly what I was doing. And then I would travel every couple of weeks to like one of the stave churches or if someone had a cool warehouse with interesting like timber frame construction, I could go and like draw those as well. Awesome. What did you find like yeah. most, uh, most interesting about learning about the process of, 
boat building and even just maybe architecture in general while you were over there? I think like the maybe the main thing that I took away was sort of the the difference in I guess design process. I feel like what I had learned before was sort of I don't know if <laughs> dictatorial approach maybe where you design something and then it's executed and it's a you sort of design it as this like creative authority and then somebody else does exactly what you want it to be. Whereas I think when you study old crafts, you're you're looking at a design process that, that's constantly evolving as you build it. So you're constantly you're looking at how the, the wood is shaped and that will slightly change the design. And you're, you're using the tools in a way that, you know, even the tool itself will change the design. So it's like the, the journey of building is also about designing. It's, so you end up with a finished product that you wow. probably couldn't have planned, you know, That's if you had just drawn it on paper. Oh my goodness. Wow. Yeah, that, <laughs> That's <yeah>. so cool. <laughs> I just, I never even knew that. That's so interesting. Um, did you find that uh, the, it sounds like you did, I mean, I think you just alluded to it, the American way of creating and crafting and building like actual physical things is so much mm-hmm. different than the European way, or maybe more specifically the Norwegian way? Um, well, I guess specifically, since I was looking at things that were being preserved, it's probably a little biased. That's true. Because, that's you know, very that's, <laughs> good point. Very good point. They were preserving things from, you know, starting with 1800. So it's... Uh, yes, that way was very different. Um, but I do think there was this, I I can only really speak for Norway. I'm not sure it's true, like everywhere in Europe. (laughs) Yeah. But, um, there is a slight difference in, I guess, amount of things like overall, there are fewer, like in a, in a house, I feel like houses are generally smaller, but then each decision made within the house has been really thought through. So it's like, each item you have, you really appreciate and value. Um, and, and so, and therefore you understand how it's made and you, um, design it in a specific way that you really want versus, you know, I come from a place where I go to Ikea and buy tons of stuff. <laughs> right. and I don't know how any of it's made <laughs> and I don't really care. Um, and I do think it changes how, like, if you have fewer things and you know how they've each been made and you really value them, mm. it does sort of change how you then design because, you design in a way which has the same amount of care, I guess. Uh, so that's I that would be a difference. I see. I love it. That's, that's, that thoughtful approach is so beautiful. Um, so you knew, it sounds like if I'm following your story correctly, you, you knew that you were super interested in animation and you eventually wanted to get into that field. Is that right? Yeah. Um, so once you finished up this fellowship <clears throat> and I, I'm guessing you came back to the States, how, what did your journey look like then? Like, okay, now I've, I've learned a lot. <laughs> What's <Yeah>. next? <laughs> um, yeah, it was. So I guess while I was there, I, I was kind of also sneakily like learning how to paint. <laughs> so I like, I feel like they kind of, those two uh, chapters bleed into each other a little bit. Um, so I would usually like, I would be at the boatyard till like seven till four or something. The hours finished pretty early because it gets so dark. <laughs> um, and then I would go back to my like, uh, basement apartment and I would just like really much really paint until I went to sleep um, and do like schoolism online and that kind of stuff uh, so while I was there I think you know I was constantly making a portfolio again and again um, and and getting a little better also reaching out to people to get feedback uh, I was able I did a fair amount of traveling as well while I was there to look at 
you know, other construction stuff, but managed to sneakily stop by in Scotland for this like animation workshop. Um, <laughs> and while I was there, I was really lucky. I met uh, John Navarez, who uh, is this, well, he does like a ton of stuff. Sometimes story does biz dev. He's currently at Warner Brothers, but he was ended up being sort of a mentor where I was able to eventually show him work that I had done, get feedback. And also it was sort of my first like, oh, this industry is real. Like there are real people who do it. And it's not just me like thinking this is an industry when it's really not. Um, I love that you pursued <laughs> feedback so early in your process and you knew that that was really important. And it is terrifying. <laughs> yeah. Oh, totally. Um, the feedback, especially in the beginning is... Oh my. There's always something yes. wrong with it. So and it's, it's like, well, you think it's perfect, then you quickly realize you're not perfect it's at not all. It's not perfect. Uh, yeah. What did his feedback, like what kinds of feedback did he give you on your portfolio? Uh, well, if you was, can remember. Yeah, oh, I totally remember. Um, since he comes from a story background, he was, I think, specifically looking for how your art uh, is always aiding the story, um, which was definitely something I still struggle with that, like doing, you know, key frame moments that are, are highlighting an element in the story. Um, so, you know, a good design doesn't really mean anything if it's not helping how the story works. Uh, and when you're showcasing that, having, you know, characters, how, how you frame the characters, um, the overall composition, just how is that constantly looping back to, you know, benefiting the story. And and that was always something he was pointing at, uh, which, you know, which was great because I, I had like no sense. I was showing an establishing shot that was usually very flat or, you know, it was just like, look at this thing that I designed. Whereas it's like, how does that relate to what's going on? Like totally, your idea? Totally. That's good yeah. feedback. Good stuff. Yeah, it was very good feedback. Yeah. And I love that you're being so strategic about your time. And like you had a sense of urgency and you're finding every spare hour yeah. <laughs> to learn and get feedback and network and meet people like, wow, like the diligence is astounding. Um, I'm sorry. And I totally interrupted your story. So you were talking about getting some feedback in Scotland. Oh, yeah, yeah. I guess it's not, it's not really a story. There's no end. <laughs> sort of. Um, just sort of that happened. Uh, but and, and then so by the end of I guess when I came back from Norway at that point, I was lucky enough to have a few freelance things lined up. Um, so I wasn't starting from complete scratch. Uh, but I def it wasn't like now I'm a full I'm a professional artist and I have like full time work. That was definitely not the case. Um, I so I moved back to Houston and I kind of made this arbitrary goal that it was I moved back in the fall that in late spring of the following year, if I could like have enough freelance that I felt okay financially, I would you know get a car and drive to LA and try to do it there. Um, so throughout that, those few months, I think I steadily got more freelance, ended up doing like some like contract background artwork for Rooster Teeth and then doing a lot of stuff for this app. Um, and it, yeah, it does, I think freelance, a lot of it is just about patience and constantly, constantly emailing people because there's really no job posting, you know, so you just have to be a little pushy, <laughs> which is much easier via email. I'm an introvert, so it's like I could not do that in person. But when it's a, you know, you're just sending an email to someone you don't even know, it's not as scary. Totally. Uh, no, that's, yeah, that's, so that's brilliant. Like and did, and were, you were still based in Texas at this time. Is that right? Yes. Okay. So I was in Texas and I came back like just in time for Hurricane Harvey, which was, oh boy. you know, <laughs> great timing. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> That's crazy. And, uh, and then, yeah, I so I 
I know it, it was crazy. It was like, oh, welcome back to America. Uh, <laughs> but it was my family was luckily there was no no serious damage, especially compared good, to good people who had to raise yeah, their houses. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So you're grabbing freelance work here and there. And I know that can be um, frustrating because sometimes, you know, learning each different client's style and how they communicate and what they want. And were you usually working with creative directors at this point or was it um, or it could have been uh, folks who just didn't have an art department and needed assistance and they were trying to communicate their vision. But maybe there was some back and forth there. Was there anything that Mm -hmm. you learned in that process of primarily freelancing? Um, so I was mostly working with art directors, which was, I guess, made it a little easier where they were pretty good at communicating to me what they needed. Uh, I think the thing I learned most was just like anything they ask you to do. It doesn't matter if if it's really what you hope to be doing in 10 years. You just say, I can do it and you do it. (laughs) Um, I think, you know, your first or my first freelance jobs, at least some other people might've had a much easier time, um, were more like graphic design or creating these, you know, Adobe Illustrator creatures that will be animated, um, which is really not the style of work I do or what I hope to be doing eventually. But it was just, okay, it's something slightly artistic. I can do this now. And then, you know, if you ever get to a point where you have so much freelance, you can replace it. You can do that later. Um, And like always just, I think key is overbook yourself because things always fall through. Uh, Just take whatever. Yeah. Girl, you got it. Um, during these early, these early gigs, did you find yourself struggling much with imposter syndrome or do you just know you're self-aware enough that you know that everybody has it and everybody's got to start somewhere? Um, how did that, and, and again, I'm not all about the buzzwords, but I know that it's a, it's a term for a real thing that a lot of us, including myself, who is, was not professionally trained as an artist feel. Oh yeah. I've, I've never heard, I've heard the word imposter. I've never heard of imposter syndrome, but I really like that. And yes, I totally did feel that. Um, I think specifically, I remember there was a place I was doing like characters for, which I'm like really not a character artist. It was kind of outside of my, um, what I felt comfortable doing. But then they asked me to do like storyboards for this commercial thing. And I, I spent, it was like six boards, which probably should take somebody like an hour. But I was so stressed about like, well, you know, how long should it take me to do each board? And like, how detailed do they want it? And I was, you know, I didn't want to like email any questions because then it would reveal that I had no idea. Um, So I did like the classic cop-out, which is to send them options, (laughs) which, you know, took way more time um, and was not financially efficient for that project. But I think you kind of, whenever you're doing something you don't know how to do and you feel like an imposter, it's okay, I think, to have your first project be, this is not viable long-term, but this is my first one. I'm going to kind of do it differently and figure it out. Um, And then once I, you know, if I do well at this and I have to do it again, I'll be a lot more efficient. Mm. Uh, Yeah. yeah, At this time, did you have many uh, friends who were in similar lines of work or did you feel as though you, you definitely, it sounds like you've done quite a bit of uh, networking and, and obviously educating yourself through schoolism and other tools online. Um, did you feel like you had folks that you could kind of bounce ideas off of or sort of check yourself with, or did you feel like you were sort of on this solo journey, at least at the time? Uh, I think it, it kind of felt like a solo journey. I think being in Texas was a big part of that where also just this, I, this industry is not really well known. I think outside of LA, the idea of doing concept art for animation or games. So I, I kind of, whenever I was describing what I was doing to friends, it, it always felt like 
like it wasn't real like I was kind of making it up and it was like that like what no <laughs> like you know really? even freelancing I think is like a term that it's well I felt like in Houston like oh what is freelancing like what does that mean are you like working are you not working um so saying you're a freelance artist doesn't sometimes have like the buzz or like it just feels it feels like okay am, am I doing a real career here um so I didn't have people in Houston for sure but I think Instagram is an amazing tool that you can easily connect with other artists or at least kind of see how how large the pool is um so I was able to reach out to people through there you know go to CTN and then especially once I moved to LA I feel like was able to meet more people totally I think that's, do you think it's a smart move for, for people who are interested and are really, really working hard, but don't live in LA to attend things like CTN or for instance, like the upcoming Lightbox? Do you feel mm-hmm. like it's truly a, a solid career, at least decision in the meantime? Yeah, I think so. It's, especially if you're coming from a, maybe if you live in New York or San Francisco or places where that industry sort of exists, it's not essential. But if you're coming from somewhere where you haven't seen it physically (laughs) I think it's really nice to be able to meet artists in person um and yeah just sort of see all that's out there because it is difficult if you're not physically present I think yeah I I can imagine um so let's talk about your decision to move to LA so you're you're getting some steam you're picking up some more work here and there in Texas but um obviously you were hungry for more. I'd love to hear about what what in, went into making that decision and what was the catalyst for it to be able to happen. Um, I think the catalyst was that I had earned enough to buy a car <laughs> and could drive to LA. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was sort of like I, I chose a very arbitrary date that was when as soon as my mom finished teaching so we could have this, like, girls' road trip to LA. Oh, that's <laughs> fun. Yeah. Um, so it really was like an arbitrary date that I sort of stuck with for months with no real reason. Um, and I did the whole, uh, finding an apartment on Craigslist thing, which <laughs> I think when you're describing it, you to, gotta like, your do parents, what you gotta they're, like, do. Yeah, they're like, yeah. horrified. Yeah. <laughs> so do you know these people? Um, so I, yeah, I just, I drove to LA and then the people I ended up living with were not murderers. Uh, so Phew. I survived. Crisis yeah. averted. <laughs> Um, and then just sort of picked up doing the exact same thing in LA. I, I joined, um, like a, a woman's working group, which was kind of nice just to, just to have honestly a, like a place I needed to be every day to make things seem a little more like every day I get up at nine and I, <laughs> it's like a, like I have this responsibility and I definitely will do it. Um, but yeah, really just continue doing the same freelance work, but then also was able to, um, you know, there's like weekend warrior painters which is a thing here I don't do it that much now by not much I mean never (laughs) um but it was great when I first moved here to do like plein air painting with other people who were also you know in the industry or outside of it aspiring to be um yeah that's really cool so um I I love the thread and I feel like everybody's story is a little bit different and there's like a, a common theme in a lot of folk stories and I love that you were just like boots on the ground what, what can I do to make this happen who can I meet where can I go what can I learn so driven and I think that's incredible and obviously it's it's worked out for you 
Um, and now you're, are you full-time at DreamWorks or, um, contracting? Yeah. Okay. Full-time. Yeah. So now you've landed your full-time, you know, role, which <laughs> is, is only the beginning. There's, there's, you know, obviously so much more to go. And I love that. It, it does seem like you still do a lot of woodworking. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. That's, that's super cool. First of all, that's fascinating to me and so incredible. And when do you find yourself like, do you find yourself kind of going through a season where um, you're really focused on visual art as in, you know, 2D painting or 3D painting mm -hmm. or and then a season where you're really focused on trying to cram in all the woodworking you can? What is your sort of cadence of creativity look like? Oh, man, um, I for painting, I try to just do that as much as possible. I, there's really not seasons. I think I'm constantly trying to there's always something that I feel like I'm focused on, whether it's like trying to do lighting or color. Um, and I, and that's also, you know, even though I, I'm very lucky that I really love what I'm doing and it's drawing and designing, it, it's different when you're doing work you have to do versus, you know, your own personal stuff. So you get like a new wave of inspiration, <laughs> you know, you understand where you can finally, you know, do the stuff that you've been kind of thinking about that day or that week. Um, and then for woodworking, I, I don't really, I guess, weekends it's sort of for me like a fun activity where it's like I can go on a hike and then I can go go to the back and like do my woodworking um it's usually when I need to make like a Christmas or birthday present so that's kind <laughs> <Nice>. of my, <laughs> my way of inspiration yeah brilliant I, yeah, I love yeah. it what are your tools of choice for um art when you're creating on your own for yourself uh really so I I sort of put then procreate on my iPad. Yeah, girl. All the way. Love yeah. <laughs> hey, high five. Um, <laughs> it's like so when I was traveling, that's sort of all I use. So everything in my portfolio website, that was all procreate because I didn't, well, I didn't have Photoshop. Brilliant. Um, yes. Yeah. It's much so more I, cost effective. <laughs> it's definitely more cost effective. It fits, you know, in your backpacks and you Absolutely. Just go to a coffee shop or wherever you're, you're going. So that's really what I use now at work. I, I use Photoshop, but mm. um, I think procreate is great. It's fantastic. Now I'm on your website right now because I love working at looking at your stuff, and I love how obviously. I mean, it, it makes perfect sense that you're super strong in architecture. Like, um, you have superpowers in that in that realm. <laughs> if there's an artist out there who wants to get a lot stronger in in uh, their portrayal of buildings and architecture and even maybe mechanics. What would you, how would you advise them to, to really learn that world and that skill as, as mm -hmm. a professional? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, well, so I, I sort of think if I'm like relaying architecture into like the animation industry, I think it's very similar to like what you would do to learn like character design if you wanted to be a character designer. Um, so it's like you sort of need to learn you know, if you're doing a dog or a human, you need to first learn the anatomy. And I think that translates pretty nicely in architecture to like how something is built. Um, they call it in architecture, it's tectonic. So it's a, that's sort of the, you know, the structure or like kind of the, the backbone of the building. Um, and I think every sort of architectural style has a different backbone or anatomy. And so whatever, you know, there's lots of different styles. And usually if you're doing a portfolio project, you just have to choose one. So it's not like you have to learn the whole history of architecture. You can just say, you know, I'm doing like modern, my piece is set in the 60s. We're doing a modern with a capital M style. So I just need to learn like sort of the anatomy of those types of buildings. Um, and, and then I think it's like, again, same as character design. You just have to exaggerate and push it. 
Uh, so once you really understand how something is made, you can sort of break rules and start fusing it with other things. I, I don't know. I, I think that's something that's maybe forgotten, that you don't ever really have to create something new. You're always just fusing ideas and cheating. Um, so just take two styles you like and say, like, okay, modern architecture and then, like, Viking architecture. That's cool. What if we did the same, you know, Viking architecture but, like, in concrete? And, like, what would that be like? And you're just fusing different things constantly Absolutely. and having these, like, hybrids that look new, you know? Absolutely. That's actually, that, that brings me to another question. So I think there is a misconception um, that when you pick a career, everything in your life or on your resume should line up with that career. So if you have, if you want a career in, in for instance, animation, you should have mm-hmm. studied art in college, you should have, you know, done XYZ in order to get that. And I love that you studied architecture in college, which definitely does play into that. It's not completely unrelated. But then also, um, I'm sure that on your resume, you talk about the Norwegian boat building. Um, Have you ever found that that has deterred or been unhelpful for you in your journey? Do people look at that and tend to make an assumption? Or has it been helpful to you, um, even though it may on the surface seem unrelated? Um, I think it's definitely been helpful. Uh, That's great. I love it. Yeah. I think maybe if I had said like, oh, I wanted. I'm really interested in character design where there's very few that's connections. Fair. It would have yeah, been different, that's fair. but I do want to go into sets. So it, I think, I, I don't know how much it looks relevant. I think maybe some people are pretty confused how that lines up. Um, but I, I think th- it makes sense, any perspective yeah. you can bring, I think is helpful because it's, you know, any, t- any way you can have like a fresh set of eyes or like different background. I think, you know, when you're in a pool of creatives, everyone brings something a little different and that's, it always helps. That's a good perspective. I like that. Because for instance, me and, and I don't know that I ever will do, a, a, you know, have a creative pursuit as a as my profession, I currently work mm-hmm. in marketing. So there's certainly some creative pieces to that. But, you know, I sometimes will look back on, oh, my goodness, I studied education, which I'm so passionate about. I love education, but I'm not a teacher. And also my career trajectory is, is not really within the artistic uh, realm. Um, but really, I don't think that's the case. And, and I love No, no. even like education, like a lot of animation is for <laughs> that's kids. That's true. It's got to have some like <laughs> connecting yeah, the dots. Relevance and yeah. Totally. No, I love it. I love it. What is your, do you have kind of an end uh, goal in mind right now? Or are you kind of feeling it out and just learning as much as you can as you go and it'll become more clear? Or have, are you doing what you think you want to be doing forever now? I think I realize as I get older, my like, ability to predict is is declining <laughs> so i like <laughs> right um so, that like is when a, i was 10 i knew so what i was well gonna do when i was 40 but now it's like six months i don't know um <laughs> so i think like sort of the last few years has reminded me that things always happen in unexpected ways so th- there's not really a point in being too detailed about what i want to happen but i, I think eventually I, I would like to try to go into more um live action type set design and I have no idea how that industry works or a path to get there would work but I think in the back of my mind I I think like doing more um it's almost moving back towards architecture a little bit but things that are I think live action where it actually needs to be created or um the set is maybe more there you can have more time to think about the set I, I think I would enjoy that but I don't know. Maybe I wouldn't. <laughs> just the something I would like that, to try. That's going to be so... I'll, I'll be very curiously watching your journey as it unfolds. I hope that works out for you. 
Um, and you'd be like, well, that's not at all what you said on this call. happening. <laughs> no, it'll be it'll be really <laughs> fun to watch. No, I agree with you. I mean, again, I was just a couple years ago in the virtual reality and augmented reality industry, and now I'm in the financial industry. So it's like, you, you just yeah. never, I, I could have never predicted that. So it's crazy, right? Um, are there any yeah. uh, TV, movies, books, anything, or even podcasts, who knows what, that you're finding really inspiring and invigorating lately? Yes. Uh, podcasts, I think 99% Invisible is one oh, of my yes, favorites. Oh, yes, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just a lot of fun. I feel like I'm constantly using something in conversation where it's like, <laughs> I stole that from the podcast. Um <laughs> And then you are just so brilliant. I don't know when you find the time (laughs) to research all this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's your secret weapon. (laughs) Read it in an article somewhere. Um, But then TV wise, I'm sort of like everyone else in the world that I like Game of Thrones a lot. Maybe not the last season so much, but I I love the set design and uh, Mm. Dipper Riley, who's the production designer. I've like always sort of followed her work. So I think that's. I, I mean, so I just cool. think that show is amazing in so many Absolutely. ways. So that's something that's been inspiring. Which also brings me to another question. Um, when you were uh, really diving into art and doing a lot of schoolism courses, is there an artist in particular that you've really, really appreciated the way that they um, sort of, I guess, their didactic approach or one mm-hmm. that you recommend to a lot of folks or even a couple that you recommend to a lot of folks? Um, I Definitely Armand Serrano was one of the first oh, yes. artists that I like really followed um and he has an engineering background which i think is cool it sort yes. of feeds into the type of stuff he designs yeah and and then recently i i really follow ian McHugh a lot oh, yeah. he sort of designed or like created his own aesthetic um it's like it was used in i think mortal engines but so also cool. in his personal work it's just like this weird kind of industrial but also colorful spaceship <laughs> place Absolutely. i don't really know but he's he's fleshed it out so much that i think it's pretty amazing. And it feels uh, fresh and interesting. It feels very real. That's yeah, so totally. Cool. I love it. I'm going to have to, I, I love Armand's work and I'll have to check out Ian's a little bit more. And uh, yeah, I'm always looking for, for good, uh, good courses to take. So thank you. Um, oh, before we say adieu, is there any, uh, how do you prefer people sort of keep up with your journey? Where would you like them to follow you or take a peek at your work? Uh, probably Instagram. That's what I keep up with most. Um, and I'm just, Kate McMillan art on Insta. All right. We'll link to it in the show notes. And then you have a a beautiful website as well, which I'll link to. And uh, Kate, you're brilliant, darling. I feel like, I feel like (laughs) we're pals already. I feel like you're such a warm person and I'm so appreciative that you took some time to chat. Oh, thanks, Hannah. This has been so great. Talking to you. It's so much fun. (laughs)